If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of September 27, 2020. The podcast that forgot the Mandela Effect. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's overmodulate the news of the bogus. Countries all over the world, generally at the behest of their cronies in business and industry, keep passing these privacy-destroying know-your-customer laws, or KYC. Basically, for a lot of businesses, when you get a new customer, you have to get an ID from them. If it's an online business, the ID generally isn't enough, and you need to have the person take a picture of himself holding the ID. Remember, these are companies that can't even keep your password safe. It's just a matter of time before some company's KYC database is compromised, and that's just one of numerous problems with it. But personally, I'm not looking forward to the day when our password database was compromised. Please change your password. Turns into our KYC database was compromised. Please get plastic surgery to change how you look. And then, of course, there's the fact that, hacking aside, many of these companies have proven themselves willing to just sell your information to others. But governments just will not be deterred. At least up until now, it's only applied to banking, money transfer, and money exchange sites, but this time it's being considered by the European Commission as part of their Digital Services Act to apply to hosting companies, domain registrars, and advertisers. And it's been called for by cartels like the MPA and Brine to regular brands such as Heineken, Nike, and Philips. The main reason given? Combating online piracy. In a letter sent to the EC, they wrote, The DSA represents a real opportunity to rectify the situation that allows bad actors to ignore Article 5 of the ECD with impunity. A business cannot go online without a domain name, without being hosted, or without advertisement or payment services. These intermediary services, having a direct relationship with the business, are therefore best placed to make sure that only businesses that are willing to comply with the law have access to their services. Should the information provided prove to be manifestly wrong, or the intermediary be notified that the business customer isn't who it claims to be, the intermediary should stop providing services until the business customer remedies the situation. Specifically, they bemoan those who have, quote, facilitated the use of infrastructure by completely anonymous commercial entities that intentionally make available or distribute illegal content. I mean, of course criminals use fake identities, but they use that with real-world IDs as well. Just ask any underage person who's managed to be able to drink at a rave. Meanwhile, VPNs and the Tor network still exist. Another issue is, hosting providers and domain registrars don't just work with businesses, they work with individuals, a lot of whom have blogs and websites nowadays. Brian Director Tim Kewick whined, We see upstream providers that are reluctant to disclose customer identity to injured parties who can then not hold the perpetrators liable. Yeah, that's because they have the right to privacy. You need to go to court, present evidence, and then get a court order to get that information. And we've also seen times when the EU has insisted that their laws and requirements apply to companies outside of Europe as well. As long as people in Europe can access your site, which they can because it's the World Wide Web, these crony companies are allowed to bring legal action against you. 
But once again, we see that these industry cartels and behemoths want other companies to be forced to bend the knee and turn over all your private data to them based purely on their say-so. No checks or balances required. If you're looking for ways to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand advertisements, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to listen to the podcast and all of my videos on bittube.tv or lbry.tv to get cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. Or if you listen to the podcast at the podcast page, you'll also generate crypto. You can also go to airtime.bogosity.tv to get the airtime extension and generate crypto for yourself and the creators on the web anywhere you go, including my YouTube channel. Get five tubes free just for installing the extension and signing up, and then simply browse the web as normal. Easily monetize your favorite creators and yourself with cryptocurrency without advertising on bidtube.tv or lbry.tv or with the airtime extension at airtime.pagosity.tv. So if you've been living under a rock for the past week, I deliver the sad news that Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg finally succumbed to her health problems. We've done a couple Supreme Court specials, and although she was never our favorite, let's face it, we don't have a favorite, it is a sad day nonetheless. But I have to admit to a perverse thought that crossed my mind after I had mulled this over a few minutes. Do these people have to keep dying during election years? Yes, as anyone who's even been remotely paying attention since 2017 could have predicted, the Democrats are losing their collective bottle over the thought that Trump could appoint a second justice to the nation's highest court. They've pledged to find it, but the issue is, the rule change that lets the Republicans do this was actually put in place by the Democrats, and they were warned that this sort of thing would result from it. Back in 2013, when the Democrats had the majority in the Senate and Obama was president, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid used the nuclear option to prevent the Republicans from filibustering Obama's three nominations to the D.C. Circuit Court. A filibuster is there to prevent decisively partisan measures from proceeding. Basically, to overcome a filibuster, you need 60 votes. You could prevent a filibuster with a rule change, but that requires 67 votes, assuming all senators are present and voting. So that makes it impossible, right? Here's what you do. You make the motion to stop the filibuster. It fails because you have less than 60 votes. So you vote to change the rules. But if you have less than 60 votes, you have less than 67, so that fails as well. So the chair announces that the vote has failed. You then appeal the ruling of the chair, but it only takes a majority to overturn the ruling of the chair. So even though you didn't have 60 votes, much less 67, you can force through a rule change and stop the filibuster with a simple majority, which the Democrats did, 52 to 48. The rule change limited the minority party's ability to circumvent presidential nominees. Only three Democrats voted against it. Defending the action, Reid said, quote, It's time to change the Senate before this institution becomes obsolete. The American people believe Congress is broken. The American people believe the Senate is broken. And I agree. These nominees deserve at least an up or down vote, but Republican filibusters deny them a fair vote any vote, and deny the president his team. Obama praised it. Quote, 
The gears of government have to work, and the step that a majority of senators took today I think will help make those gears work just a little bit better. The problem with Reed's change is that there's no negotiating anymore. Whichever party has even the tiniest lead gets its way no matter what. Before, either the people had to be so confident in one party that they'd give them 60 seats, or the majority party had to get enough satisfaction from the opposing party by selecting a candidate who is at least amenable to the moderates and centrists in that party, enough to give them the 60 votes. That would seem to be important for the Supreme Court, given that not only is it a really important position, but appointments are for life. The Democrats didn't want to play that way when they were in charge, and now they're pitching a hissy fit because the Republicans are playing by the rules that they set up. And they were warned. Back when this happened, Mitch McConnell said, quote, it only reinforces the narrative of party willing to do or say just about anything to get its way. Once again, Democrats are threatening to break the rules of the Senate in order to change the rules of the Senate. And over what? Over a court that doesn't have enough work to do. I think it's a time to be sad about what's been done to the United States Senate. And he gave them a stern warning saying, You'll regret this, and you may regret this a lot sooner than you think. In 2013, Reed tweeted, Thanks to all of you who encouraged me to consider filibuster reform. It had to be done. And in 2018, Ben Shapiro replied, No, thank you, Senator Reed. Ouch! And Reed himself even complained about exactly this back in 2005 when it was the Republicans who threatened to do it. Quote, to change the rules in the Senate can't be done by a simple majority. It can only be done if there is extended debate by 67 votes. They are talking about doing something illegal. They are talking about breaking the rules to change the rules, and that is not appropriate. That is not fair, and it is not right. But that is exactly what Reed himself did eight years later. Democrats, this is your fault. You did this, and you need to learn from it. Right now, a lot of you are talking about expanding the Supreme Court to put six or however many of your own people in. What happens if you do that and then don't take back the Senate? Then you've given the Republicans the opportunity to do it themselves. Democrats, Trump won, and the Republicans won, and they did it all as a part of that so-called social contract you've been smacking us libertarians over the head with. Now we see how much it means to you. Nothing whatsoever. It's merely a tool you can use to wield the power you so psychopathically desire. But as soon as someone else gets to use that power, you screech like a howler monkey passing a gallstone. Funny how I'm not very sympathetic right now. If you're on the Wi-Fi in the coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. 
You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. As part of our ongoing look into the incredible failure of modern democratic socialism that Venezuela has proven to be, we looked at the number of people turning to cryptocurrencies and how the government went so far as to ban the mining of cryptocurrency as theft of electricity. Now, the Venezuelan government has legalized crypto mining again, but only if you use their mining pool. Anyone wishing to mine cryptos must apply for a license and be listed on a government register, hand over their information to the authorities, keep their mining records for 10 years, and mine through the official National Digital Mining Pool, giving the government complete control over the income earned through block rewards and transaction fees. Additionally, authorities will supervise both the creation and importation of mining equipment. I wonder how many people have informed them that for some cryptos, this is simple GPUs or even CPUs. I mean, how are they even supposed to tell that I'm mining crypto instead of, say, doing a lot of rendering with Blender? Venezuela is the only Latin American country to feature in Cambridge University's top 10 list of countries with the highest Bitcoin hash rate at 0.42%. And that's from when it was illegal. Meanwhile, Venezuela tops LATAM training volumes alongside Brazil. It's certainly a desperate move, but also one that shows that Venezuela is starting to wake up to a notion that other countries just can't seem to grasp. You can't stop people using cryptocurrencies, no matter what you do. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to phagocytize this week's biggest bogani matter. And this week it goes to the Police Department of Rochester, New York for their bogus handling of the Daniel Prude killing. If you're wondering what the Rochester protests are about, this is it. Like George Floyd, Prude was killed when officers restrained him by pushing him face down to the ground and holding him until he suffocated. Prude was suffering from a mental health crisis and officers were called in to assist. He was naked and claimed he had COVID. Officers put a hood over his face, and one of them pressed him face down into the asphalt and held it there until he stopped breathing. Other officers held his legs and back. He was declared brain dead by EMS and removed from life support six days later. 
All of this happened before Floyd, but nothing much happened because, unlike Floyd, there was no video of it. The body camera footage, as well as all other documentation of the incident, was buried by the government, withheld under the claim that releasing them would result in misrepresentation of what happened. Yes, they actually said that. In fact, Deputy Chief Mark Simmons said in an email to Chief Laron Singletary, quote, we certainly do not want people to misrepresent the officer's actions and conflate this incident with any recent killings of unarmed black men by law enforcement nationally. That would simply be a false narrative and would create animosity and potentially violent blowback in this community as a result. But now that we've actually seen documentation in the form of the 325-page PDF released to the Prude family's lawyer, on one page, the victim type, individual, and the victim name, Prude, Daniel, are circled, and the words next to him handwritten are, Make him a suspect. The original incident report didn't make any mention of criminal activity, just the mental breakdown, for which he was to be detained under the New York Mental Hygiene Law. But afterwards, they created a new report where they accused him of breaking a window at a nearby business. But the details don't bear that out. Nothing in the officer's behavior suggested they considered him a criminal. And even if they did, just like with Floyd, it would hardly excuse outright murder. It was Singletary who asked for the body camera footage to be withheld from the public, and they even went so far as to deny a FOIA request from the Prude's own lawyer. Municipal attorney Stephanie Prince also assisted in blocking the requests, and Major Lovely Warren was also in the loop. There's also evidence they conspired with the medical examiner, Nadia Granger. The incident was back in March, two months before Floyd. The Prudes didn't see the recordings until August, and so the blowback they were worried about happened, but not because of misinterpretation, but because people could now see exactly what happened. And now that it's out, people have started protesting, rightly enough. Rochester police responded by arresting more than 20 of the protesters, none of whom were engaged in violence or looting or anything like that. They merely disregarded the illegal order of police to leave the area. They were arrested for the ever-popular disorderly conduct. The cops behaving badly stories just get more extreme. Here we have not only murder, but a cover-up, and also arguably interfering with an investigation. That's what it would be called if people without a badge did it at any rate. So all of that makes the Rochester PD this week's Biggest Bogani Minute. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV.
And now let's saponify this week's Idiot And this week it goes to, well, basically everyone who does polls. From pretty much the beginning of Bogosity, we've talked about how terrible these are because they're too easy to manipulate with subtle changes in how the questions are worded, and so they're more likely to reflect the bias of the pollster, not the opinion of the people. Case in point, polls about whether we should go ahead and appoint another Supreme Court justice or wait until after the election for the new president. According to a Reuters-Ipsos poll of 1,006 American adults, 62% of Americans favor waiting, with only 23 disagreeing that the vacancy should be filled by the winner of the election. The rest were unsure. 8 out of 10 Democrats agreed we should wait, as did half of Republicans. But a different poll from the Marquette University Law School of 1,523 adults found just the opposite. 67% of respondents said confirmation should proceed, with just 32% saying to hold off. For this poll, there was no partisan divide. 68% of Republicans said go ahead and nominate, and 63% of Democrats did as well. Independents supported moving forward to an even greater amount, 71%. Why are they so different? Really, who knows? It could be the timing of the poll when the questions were asked. The Marquette poll was made, coincidentally, in the days leading up to Ginsburg's death, whereas the Reuters poll was during the news cycle when the pundits were screeching. Since it's been shown that poll results can be temporarily affected by news coverage. After the news cycle settles down, people generally go back to their old opinion. Or it could be context. The Marquette poll asked the question amid a number of questions about the Supreme Court. The Reuters poll pretty much asked only about replacing Ginsburg. It could be sampling. The Reuters-Ipsos poll was conducted online from their own panel data. Marquette used a panel from the University of Chicago. It could be wording. The Marquette poll read, If there is a vacancy on the Supreme Court during the 2020 presidential election year and President Trump nominates someone, what should the Senate do? The Reuters poll read, The winner of the election should be able to appoint Ruth Bader Ginsburg's replacement on the Supreme Court. Or it could be blatant cherry-picking. Whereas Marquette only asked one question about a nomination, the Reuters poll also asked, President Donald Trump should nominate a replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg before his term ends. On that occasion, only 46% said strongly or somewhat agree, 40% said somewhat or strongly disagree, and the rest didn't know. That's much more even than the other question. So why did the other question come out so differently? And why is that the only one mentioned in the Reuters-Ipsos press release, not to mention the rest of the news media? Which poll is more correct? How can anyone know? Because despite the pollsters claiming over and over again that it's scientific, it just isn't. Three differently worded questions with three different results, two of them in the exact same poll? How can anyone be convinced there's any validity to it? It's multiple choice. Do some polls, take the one with the results you like, run with it. It's absolute pseudoscience. So all of that makes pollsters in general this week's Idiot Well, that wraps up this. I can hear again, and I can see. 
but who am I? edition of the Bogacity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please keep this podcast going by subscribing and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogacity.tv, including PayPal, cryptocurrency, or subscribing at Patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad-free. Also, please come to discord.bogacity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Lexi de Tocqueville. In the United States, the majority undertakes to supply a multitude of ready-made opinions for the use of individuals, who are thus relieved from the necessity of forming opinions of their own. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial and Derivatives 4.0 International License. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins.